What does the end of your business look like? How are you going to exit? It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, hello, hello. It is December. November has happened. It's gone. We're now on that final stretch into Christmas. In today's episode, we've got one of our regular guests back, Matt Edmondson, host of the e-commerce podcast and all-round e-commerce clever person. And he's coming back this time to talk about his e-commerce business, Jersey Beauty, and how he's sold it this year. So this isn't an episode that's going to put a whole load of stuff on your to-do list to do this week, but it is going to give you some great insights. So it's a bit of a kick back and relax one and let our thoughts and our discussions wash over you. But don't worry, there's plenty of practical stuff and my does he bring it when we get to the top tips round. For now though, please do check out the sponsors and I'll be back with Matt in a moment. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS marketing platform that helps you send messages like an e-commerce expert, even if you're just getting started. Create your free account at klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. One thing that separated the winners from the losers in recent years is the tech stack. If you're suffering from a website platform that isn't easy to integrate with other systems, that doesn't give you the stats you need, and that increases your workload, you need to check out Wix e-commerce. Not only do they offer over 500 free store templates to pick from, the list of functionality that's built in ready for you to use to increase conversions and improve your marketing is almost endless. Go to wix.com slash e-commerce slash website today and join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. And now to introduce today's special guest. Matt Edmondson was the CEO of the Jersey Company, a group of health, wellness and beauty companies that delivered products and services or do deliver products and services to over 120,000 loyal customers in the UK and Europe. Pre-pandemic, yes, that long ago, he was on the show talking about how he'd grown Jersey Beauty to achieve global sales of $75 million. That's over 7 million products shipped. He's back on the show because this year he successfully sold the business. Hello, Matt. Hey, Chloe. How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you about an actual e-commerce business again. Is, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, It's been a while since we've covered this topic. Yeah. So, uh, so it's very cool. Yeah. And congratulations on selling as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, Jexit, as we like to call it. It's It's been an event, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, we're going to find out all about that event um, in today's episode. So let's start way, way back at the beginning. Did you always intend to sell Jersey? Yes. It was never one of those things that we verbalized massively, right? We never, if you'd have said to me, what was your 10-year plan? It wouldn't really have come up, to be fair, I didn't have a 10-year plan, but if I'd have had one, Mm maybe selling it would have been on it it was just it was never something that we wrote down it was never a goal it was never a name jersey was one of those businesses where you knew 
for me, you knew whatever you were going to do from whatever point you got involved, there was a time limit on it. And I think it was always assumed it would be sold, that somebody else would take it on at some point. But it was not something that we dwelt on or thought about, not until much more recently. I always think if, yes, a business should be built to be sold, but because there has to be some kind of end to it and it's one of the best ways to exit. But it's it's very hard to say in three years time we will sell you know when you're at the start it's it's too it's too fluffy it's too amorphous there's too many unknowns out there to really put unless you know in crazy private equity world there's too too much difficulty in putting an actual definite goal on it yeah i think when i was younger i mean and and i appreciate you know this was a while ago you know pre-internet uh i remember reading a book called the e-myth i don't know if you ever come across this book by michael gerber michael gerber has been on this very podcast no way he's such a legend that fella um he he wrote his book the e-myth or the entrepreneurial myth and one of the things i remember him saying in the book was listen when you build a business you have to build it to sell it. And if you don't sell it, you're the person that's going to buy it. So somebody ultimately is buying this business and you're either buying it or you're going to sell it on to somebody else. And so I think having this sort of three-year plan to sell it, especially if you've never sold a business before, is kind of wild and weird because actually what does that mean? And so I think you're right. I think it is it is out there. And I think, but at the same time, you have to understand that as you're building your business, you're in effect buying it. You're exchanging your time and your energy to buy that business, to buy that, you know, that income stream, I suppose. And so you have to question all the time, is it worth it? You know, is it worth the effort? Am I getting value for money? And I think too many times business owners don't, they don't separate themselves from the business. Do you know what I mean? And, and they kind of, they just do it and slog at it and slog at it. And no one sort of takes a step back and goes, is this worth it? Am I, am I getting value? Yeah, it's that it's that interesting thing about, you know, we all learn that we should build our businesses with the end result being to sell it. And so therefore we should build the business with ourselves not being an integral part of it. But I think often people just think, well, my name's not on the door. Mm. Or they think it's not like a, a it's not Chloe Thomas's coaching business. Mm. So it's it's going to be fine. I'm not the one picking and packing the orders, so it's going to be fine. But actually, one of the key things about when someone wants to buy it is they want to know there's money there for them once you've exited. And yeah. if you as the owner aren't taking money out of it worth plenty for your own time, then it's not that interesting to someone to buy. And I think it it also t- speaks to something which I, I find fairly often in the e-commerce space, especially with startups, is that people are running businesses where they've proved that they can sell the product. They proved there's plenty of customers out there who want to buy the product, but they haven't yet proved there's enough margin in that mix Mm. to actually make it a viable business. And that's not their fault because you can't discover that until you actually start doing it. But it is a scenario where you should stop and go and do something else, most probably if it's not worth your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is all down to running business theory, isn't it? I I remember having a conversation with one guy, you know, his business wasn't doing well and he asked me to get involved. And so we had a conversation and we had a little chat and I just did some simple sums on the back of a piece of paper. And I said to him, how many hours a week have you worked or how many hours this week have you worked? And he told me, and I said, let me ask you another question. If I was to ask your wife, how many hours this week you've worked, what would she say? 
because I think it would be more than what you've told me, won't it? Uh, and so anyway, we figured out how many hours he actually did work. And I said, well, tell me how much money you've earned, or how much money you've taken this week. And it was a realization for that guy that actually he would have made more money working at McDonald's. Mm. And that's no disrespect to the, you know, to people who work at McDonald's, but um, he would have made more money at McDonald's the last sort of three or four months of his working career than he would have in that business. And so I, you know, I appreciate at some point there, there may be a return on his investment. You're working hard now for the payoff at some future point. But you have got to be real with yourself for the figures going along, you know, and, and the money that you're taking out, like you say, because it needs to have value. Yeah. you. In most businesses, there is a point in time where you're not working for very much, hmm. but, but you know the money's coming down the line. And if you're not tracking how little you're working for, it doesn't keep the mind focused. But I feel like we could go down this for quite for probably the rest of the episode. But we're here to talk about the exit, sure. or the exit, as we're calling it. So, um, Matt, how how did the exit come about? You said at the beginning it wasn't a we are we will exit and we will exit by by that. Did that come in later on in the business, or did you get approached, or did you just wake up one morning and go, oh dear God, I need out? Um, <laughs> how how did this actual exit come about? Uh, can I say it was a combination of all of those things? No, no. Uh, it's interesting, actually, with um, with what happened over the years with Jersey. When you run a successful business, people approach you to buy you. And so the company that's bought it is a company called Gorgeous Retail Group. They weren't the first people to approach us to buy Jersey uh, at all. Over the years, we've had various people come and go. And we've had various conversations. Some worked, some, you know, well, some were good, some were utter waste of time. Um, uh, but it's, it, it is, they are interesting conversations. And so, um, I'd been at the helm of Jersey for around 10 years and I was starting to think the last couple of years, Jersey in some respects, had, I, I think I'd taken it as far as I could take it. And I think also the guy that I own Jersey with, he and I are great friends, uh, and still to this day, are great friends. But I think after a while, business partnerships can start to crumble if there's no common goal in that business, if that makes sense. And so actually it was probably good for our friendship that um, we thought about maybe exiting the business at that point. And so I think there was a whole culmination of factors uh, as to why it made sense for us. One of the key things for me was who, who bought it. Now, we've, like I said, we've had various conversations with people over the years some went well, some didn't go so well. And you always, you always get a good feeling, I think, about people. And um, the, you know, the guys at, at Gorgeous, when they approached us, just instantly liked them uh, and thought, actually, these guys could do really well with Jersey, could take it on super, super well. And so, yeah, that conversation started and it all started to accelerate pretty quick, actually, from that conversation. And they were actually one of our competitors, and here's an interesting thing uh, with with selling your business in terms of its value. Okay, so people obviously, you know, they always want to maximize their value, don't they, out of a sale? If I if I put together a business, let's not talk about Jersey, maybe because I can't go into specifics, but maybe let's talk about car parts. Maybe I sell car parts, auto parts, right, on on a website. That business, let's say, makes a profit of fifty thousand pounds or fifty thousand dollars, maybe a year, and traditional 
valuations would go, well, then that's worth maybe 150 grand as a business, right? And you come along, you go, well, there's a business there that's for sale, 150 grand, it's making 50 grand a year. Is that interesting to me? Yes or no? I don't really know a whole great deal about car parts. So the question is, how quickly can I make my money back and make more, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got to make some kind of profits to do that. It becomes much more valuable if you're in the auto parts industry and you're a competitor and you've already got distribution and you've already got market insight and you've already got team that can do part of those jobs. Do you see what I mean? So the valuation of it changes depending on who buys it. And so that was another factor that came into the whole thing. So, yeah, there's it's a long answer to your question. I'm really sorry. But it's in effect, uh, it's it was the right time, the right conversation, and I think the right people to buy it. Thank you for actually answering the question. Um, but I, I like the point you were making around, you know, when you're selling, it's as much about finding the right buyer as it is about actually selling. Mm. Because it, one business is worth different amounts to different people. And if they can see economies of scale, like you're talking about, about the team, about the overhead, if they can see it adding something into their business, you know, maybe they're purely bricks and clicks and you've got an online piece and it all fits together, then you're going to make more money mm. because there's only one of you. There's probably only one of them and you've just found the right right people. So I, yeah. I guess often we, we hear in business circles that it takes a couple of years to be to get a business ready for exit you know dotting all the cross or the r dotting all the crosses dotting the i's crossing <laughs> the t's you, like. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know getting the systems in a process that you can can move yourself out of it and so forth has it been a two year journey or has this whole thing gone from first contact through all in 2021 yeah it's all pretty much happened this year so i mean like i say it's all been pretty quick at the end it felt pretty slow towards the end um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. It did, you know. It's were, one of those. Were there things. lawyers involved, perchance? <laughs> yeah, and so, and lawyers are wonderful people. Uh, Very wonderful, wonderful people. people. Um, and actually, the I, I I should do him. I should not do him a disservice. But the guy that helped us out, a lawyer, is a good friend of mine. Was amazing, actually. But that's another story. But yeah, I think the the, the distance between agreeing the sale at the start of this year and the sale actually happening that is a really stressful part. But for us, it's been quite quick because there's, in effect, when you're selling your business, there's two things that you could sell if, if I oversimplify it, certainly with um, in the UK. So I could have sold the whole business, as in the shares, the lease on the warehouse, everything, sold the whole business. Um, and you, in effect, buy the company. You buy its assets, you buy its liabilities. How about it? Knock yourself out and go that way. Um, and the reason I'd want to do that is for me, in the UK, it's much more tax efficient, right? And worldwide, this is the case as well. It also means you have no risk. So it's if you hold on to, to essentially the limited company wrapper as the seller, then you are liable if something bad happens down the road because you still own the legal entity that was the business that you ran, which is is the same the world over. There's that mm. risk piece in a sale. So as a buyer always for for good night's sleep it's always worth selling the whole thing but sorry Matt, i interrupted you no it is and if, yeah and if you can sell the whole company then that's what you do we didn't uh, on this occasion what that meant was the transaction was quicker because they were buying an asset they were buying the website uh, the database the stock um 
they weren't necessarily taking on leases because they had a warehouse distribution center. They didn't need a whole lot of the baggage is probably a fair word to mm-hmm. use um, to, to transfer it to their organization and make it leaner, better, bigger and all that sort of stuff. And so that I think helped speed up the process because if you buy a company, you have to go through this whole pro. I mean, you have to go through a process of due diligence anyway. Um, but if you're buying somebody else's company, you need to understand every single possible liability that that business has, especially the ones that the the owner's not told you about. Yes, you know? because you're liable for all the risk. You're liable yeah, for that yeah, lease on exactly. the warehouse. So you need to check everything about the warehouse. You need to check everything about every contract, everything else. So it. So yeah, if you if you exclude those things. And I guess, does it also, it, so if you exclude those things to finish the sentence, it speeds up the process, reduces the risk for the buyer, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing potentially makes the deal more valuable to them than if you made them have everything. Yes, because they don't get all the liabilities. And actually, from a tax point of view, it's more efficient for them not to buy the shares of the business. Uh, but to buy the assets of the business in the UK, I, I can't speak to other countries. Mm. So, from from a, if I was buying a business, I would do exactly what they did, and I would just, you know, I just want the assets. If I was selling a business, I'd be like, no, no, you take everything. Here you go, <laughs> uh, and that's part of the negotiation. And we we lost out on that one, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it's okay if you if you're happy with the risks you're taking on, which as the business owner you should be, and you know, and if it means the deal going through or the deal not going on going through, what do you do? So, um, Matt, post-exit, how do you feel? That's a really great question. I, it's a mixture. I'm not going to lie. Part of me is stoked and, you know, that the business has ended really, really well. Um, I'm still good mates with a business partner. Everybody that worked with me at Jersey is still working with me now. Um, so no one's lost their job. The company that's bought it are great. I had lunch with their CEO yesterday. He's such a cool guy. So I'm, I know it's in good hands. So all of that, you kind of go, brilliant, love that. But then I kind of, th- I wake up in the morning and go, oh, I, I don't own Jersey anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, there is this other side of it, which it feels a little bit like, not a loss, but it... For me, there was a lot of security in Jersey. Jersey was 15 years old. It was what it said on the tin. We knew where we stood. We knew what the income was. We we could predict it almost. Do you know what I mean? And it, and don't get me wrong, it's, it was one of those businesses. I, I don't drive around in a flash Ferrari. You know, it, it was never one of those businesses. But it was great because you knew the income that had been brought, and there was a security with that. There was a relationship with that, and that has fundamentally changed. And so it feels in some respects like almost starting again. So there's that insecurity that comes with that, albeit we're starting from a very different place. And I appreciate that. So I don't want everyone to feel totally sorry for me. You know, it's very, very different. Um, I'm not trying to drum up sympathy. Uh, but you, you, you feel excited, you feel pleased, but fundamentally I felt exhausted because it took a lot out of you, eh? Um, mentally exhausting but also you do feel that sense of there's a slight insecurity and there is that sort of slight sense of oh that was my baby for 15 years and it's not anymore yeah i one of the reasons i ask how it felt is because when when i sold my marketing agency which i'd run for 10 years not quite as long as you have with jersey and i never got it to quite this you know the stable successful position you got jersey to but after i sold that 
I was I was very happy for the team and like two, three, three months after I sold it, they had the best sales month ever, which was awesome. I wasn't jealous. I wasn't regretting exiting. Yeah. I was just really, really pleased for them. But for about the first three months after I sold it, I felt like I was wandering around in a duvet. <laughs> That's a really interesting statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I was like it. I was kind of gone into some kind of stasis mode, you mm-hmm. know, just getting a lot done, not, 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 I hadn't retreated into my duvet. I'll just make that really clear to everybody. But it, I was surprised by how much it affected me. Yeah. Not, not in an active way, but in a very subtle, weird mm. way. Um, so interesting to see you similar but different. No duvet in your scenario. But um, No, but I get what you mean. I, I, I understand what you mean. And I think that's probably good to feel that way. And I, I would say to some extent I do. Uh, but it's kind of tricky, isn't it? Because you, yeah. It's very weird because you're both happy and a bit bereft. Yeah. And a little bit spaced out. Yeah. But you just got to roll with it and it'll all be fine. You just got um, That's exactly it. And I don't know about you, did you feel tired? Did you feel exhausted at the end of it? At the time I felt tired permanently because I was, I was probably, the, the agency took me close to burnout which is one of the reasons why I had to exit it. And I was on the path back from burnout at the point where I sold it. So I was just permanently tired back then. So I couldn't tell you whether it made me any more tired or less tired than normal. (laughs) But I was definitely tired. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. No, That's one of my things now is actually post-Jexit, I'm like, I need some time off. Mm. I just need some time out just to sort of think about life a little bit. But um but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean about the duvet. And it, and it is worth noting if you are building a business to sell it, especially if it's a business you love and you've poured your heart and soul into it, it's not as easy to let it go as you might think. Just putting that out there. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Do you know what the email and SMS marketing platform most frequently recommended by our podcast guests is? Yup, it's Klaviyo, the email and SMS marketing platform that helps you send messages like an e-commerce expert, even if you're just getting started. Create your free account at klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Are you building a new site, replatforming? Are you frustrated with your existing tech stack? Then you need to take a look at Wix e-commerce. They have over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide, each of whom can manage it all from a single dashboard. The Wix suite of features enables you to do so much without increasing your workload, whilst keeping the customer experience spot on so that those conversions just go up. Find out more today at wix.com e-commerce slash website and join over 700,000 active stores using Wix's advanced online storefront features. That's wix.com slash e-commerce slash website. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, Matt, we've done enough soul searching now. We are now going to move into the top tip section. Uh, No more bearing of souls, I I don't expect in this section. Um, and this is, as the listeners know, the section I love because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Matt, are you ready for the top tips? Sure, let's do it. I'm on for it. Excellent. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? 
So the book that I would strongly recommend, the one that I've read recently, which has probably had the, the biggest, you know, the big wow factor, was a book called Alchemy by Rory Sutherland. The imag- he's called it Alchemy, the Magic of Original Thinking in a World of Mind-Numbing Conformity. <laughs> <laughs> Great title. And I just thought it was brilliant. And it was such a good book. Um, and I think if you're going to take Friday afternoon off to read a book, that would definitely, for me, be on the top of my reading list. He's also recently released one called Hacking the Unconscious, which is quite fun. Uh, but Alchemy, for me, is, is definitely a book everyone should read. Cool. He's, yeah, I've read one of his way back along. Can't remember what it was called, but he is—he's like the UK's Don Draper. Yeah, roughly. That's, speaking. A, good, that's a good explanation. Um, yeah, yeah. But with more more backed by science, and he manages to weave the science in mm. in a very clever way. So yeah, I'm I'm going to second that, even though I haven't yet read it. Um, okay, the traffic top tip: which marketing method do you either prize above all others, or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I can tell you the thing that we're working on the most now for traffic generation. And the big thing that we're focusing a lot on at the moment is referral marketing. So um, not necessarily influencer marketing or micro-influencer marketing, but actual getting your customers to do the marketing of your business for you. That, for me, is a bit of a juicy topic at the moment. Um, it's what we're focusing on. And so I would say have a very, very good look at referral marketing. Love that tip. Um, okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you or your team more efficient from day to day? Slack. That's a short answer. Slack. If you <laughs> Slack. Know, Always just Slack. Slack. Just leave it in Slack. I don't know if you guys, uh, uh, do you use Slack? Have you ever used it? I, I have logged in a few times, but I don't have a need for Slack. So I've never okay. really got it working for me. Okay, well, fair enough. I think we've got a reasonable team uh, and we've got multiple companies. And so for me, Slack is just a beautiful piece of software uh, that just stops a lot of the crazy emails and it's reduced my email massively. And so I'm a big fan of Slack. If you work with people abroad, if you're doing the remote working thing and you've got multiple team members, you should definitely try Slack. It's free. They don't even charge you for it. For, for what we use. So yeah, definitely try it out. Yeah. Anything which makes teams communicate in a better way than in ridiculous emails with crazy ass BCC <laughs> going on and CC going on. And who is even this person on this email list? Well, I don't know, but the boss added them. So I better leave them there. Mm. Anything that, that removes that from people's lives wholeheartedly agree yeah with. definitely worth trying and the other piece that i'd that i'd another tool maybe if you've not got a team um i don't know if you've tried if you've played around much with many chats no many chats are really interesting really interesting piece of software and now instagram um especially if you do a lot of social media this is great because with instagram now you can do direct messaging right um, you can do auto responses via direct messaging. So you can put something in your story like, hey, Instagram only offer 10% off this today only, DM me the word coupon and we'll send you some information. Well, you can now automate that whole process, sending that coupon. You can integrate it with your mail provider, you know, like MailChimp or whatever it is you use. Uh, Clavio, I should probably say on this podcast, uh, you know, um, whatever system you use, it kind of integrates with it, but it automates that whole process. And so, 
there are some really interesting things that we're discovering at the moment with ManyChat and that whole automation on Instagram. I know they've been able to do it for a little while on Facebook, but Instagram, it's a great way if you've got a good social following on Instagram to engage your followers. Nice. I like that. Anything which which automates well is good by me. And I think a lot of people have got scared off the social media automations because they think it's got to be a whole for accounts, press one type scenario, you know, <laughs> yeah, a full yeah, on yeah. messenger automation, crazy, horrible customer service thing. But actually those, those little, uh, you know, little ways of using it are hugely, hugely powerful. So thank you for adding that one in. So that was many chat, everybody. Okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1000, what would be your number one tip for them? Uh, focus on the customer. We've started to call this now toilet seat thinking. Um, and I, I My actually... My mind boggles, Matt. Yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> I, I appreciate the listeners can't see this. We're on video at the moment as recording this, and I actually have a toilet seat uh, in my hands. actually has a toilet seat in his hands. He's not yeah. on the toilet, everybody. He's definitely <laughs> really sat, yeah. sat on a normal chair, but he's just lifted a toilet seat out from underneath the desk. Matt, why are you calling it toilet seat thinking? It's um, it's a really interesting idea. And I, to be fair, I use the toilet seat as a prop. And it's a story that I got off a friend of mine. And uh, so I, I'm going to give him the credit. I don't know if he's actually, I should find out if it's a true story. I just heard him tell it. That when he was younger... He worked in a hotel and him and his crew basically cleaned all of the toilets in the hotel, right? They, and uh, as most, this is the chap is American, as most things in America, they like to measure everything. And so they did that customer satisfaction thing. And whoever got the best customer reviews at the end of the month got some kind of award and he kept winning it and winning it. And the other guys hacked off with this whole thing. And the more that, you know, they tried to clean bigger and better and stronger, but he kept getting this award. And it's like, well, eventually they said to him, how is it that you get this award, but we don't, we clean these toilets so well. And so the conversation goes like this, show me how you clean the toilet. And so they go in and they go, right, we clean the toilet, we scrub the walls and we do this, that and the other. And he said, now let me show you how I clean the toilet. And what he does is he walks into the toilet, he turns 180 degrees and he sits down on the toilet seat and he cleans from that viewpoint. He said, this is the key. He said, I think about what the customer is seeing when they're sat on the toilet and that's what I clean. Everybody else was cleaning it, looking at the toilet. He sat on the toilet and cleaned it the other way and that's why he kept winning the awards. That's why we call it toilet seat thinking. It's just sit down and look at your business from your customer's point of view. I've, <laughs> I did this, this, um, this presentation on toilet seat thinking. It was much longer than, than this uh, with some, uh, with some well, let's just call them medical professionals. Uh, and I couldn't be there because of COVID in the presentation, but we gave everybody a toilet seat and they had to sit on it while we were telling the story. And it's just that thing. That's why I have one in my office. Just sit on the toilet seat, think about life from your customer's point of view. Wow. My mind is boggling on so you don't know many things. Do <laughs> which isn't good because actually what the, the root of what you're saying there is really, really good. But all I'm thinking about is a load of medical professionals in a conference room sat on toilet seats. Um but <laughs> I think let's just leave that one there. Yeah, I think hopefully fun. everyone got the real point of that, which wasn't yeah, yeah. doctors sitting on toilet seats. Um Matt, thank you for your great advice. Thank you for sharing the the story of your exit from Jersey. What what are you up to now? 
That's a really great question. So I have been headhunted, uh, as you would expect. Ooh. Maybe that's actually that sounds really pompous, doesn't it? You would not expect. I got headhunted, uh, which was great. I've got more involved with some of the companies that we were doing consulting with. Um, specifically, I'm now the MD of a company called Vegetology, uh, which is another e-commerce business that makes um, food supplements. You know, like vitamins and uh, omega three capsules and things like that. Um, that is an amazing project to get involved with. We're redoing the website, we're rebranding, we're going for it. Uh, and we've still got our agency, we're still doing things there, still doing a lot of stuff on the coaching. And my, it's been a few weeks since Jexit and already I've got a, a, a piece of paper with 20 ideas of new businesses, online businesses that I want to start. So I just need to figure out which ones of those that are actually going to make it through. Definitely a couple of weeks off is, uh, is, is on the cards here, just yeah. to let the brain... Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. The trouble is, the more I do that, the more I relax. The, the the team always hate it when I go away because whenever I come back, it's like, right, I've had some great ideas, guys. Let's no. do this, and they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do that to myself, worryingly. Um, <laughs> Matt, before we say goodbye, what? How, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, if they've got something else to add to your to-do list, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. Just reach out to me uh, at mattedmondson.com or Instagram forward slash mattedmondson. Either one of those works. Uh, we're on most of the social media platforms, but Instagram is the only one I really pay attention to at the moment. So, yeah. Cool. Well, look, Matt, thank you again so much for being on the show. It's always lovely catching up with you. I like it when occasionally we bother to record our conversations for the benefit <laughs> of everyone else. And this has been a, been a really good one. So, um, so thank you very much for being on the show today. No, absolute pleasure and privilege. Thanks for having me on, Chloe. Always, always wonderful to chat with you. So some brilliant tips there from Matt to round us off um, and hopefully some some great insight on what it's like to sell a business, how you go about it and how to make the decision to sell there as well. Um, if you want to catch up with the last time Matt was on and find out a bit more about Jersey Beauty and how they've grown it, then he talked to us about that in episode 266. And Matt is also a member of our e-commerce master plan crew. So if you'd like to find out more about what that's all about, then head to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash crew. Most importantly, you can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please, please ask them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.